sound means it is your favorite time of the week what up regulators it's your boy waldo here on another edition of the regulators podcast i'm so excited to be back with you yet again so much mad love to everybody who follows us on twitter at regulators pod who subscribes and listens to the show we really really appreciate it um i'll never be able to express uh, just what it means to have you guys listening to my dumbass talk about football for an hour each week um, and engaging with us on Twitter and all the other places as well. So let's get into it. It's uh, It's been quite a fun week. We got a lot to talk about. Last week, obviously, we previewed the running backs in the 2022 NFL Draft. We've already covered the edge position as well. If you missed those episodes, feel free to circle back and uh, check those out. But this week, we're going to get into the quarterbacks a little bit. And, you know, we're also going to cover some things that happened this week. We're going to talk about some things that we have going on for the NFL draft coming up. And uh, I'm excited about it. So if you're able to pour yourself a drink, then Godspeed to you. Slancha, salute. And uh, if you're not, well, you know, just live vicariously through us. As I get tanked and talk about football. But let's get into it. So right off the bat, you know, this week was interesting. Obviously, April Fool's Day just recently passed. And some of these articles that I was coming towards March 30th, March 31st, like I wasn't really sure whether to believe some of them or whether they were going to turn out to just be April Fool's Day pranks. So I didn't comment or tweet on a lot of things just kind of waiting to see you know if these things were viable and one of those was the fact that 48 year old Terrell Owens is apparently coming out of retirement not to play in the NFL but to play in the fan-controlled football league with Johnny Manziel as his quarterback now we'll see whether this comes to fruition or not but allegedly this is a legit story now I don't know what bringing a 48-year-old wide receiver off the bench to play in your league says about the talent level in the league itself, Um, but obviously Terrell Owens is a lot of cachet with his name, and he's supposedly going to be involved with other things that the league does and possibly do some interviews and and different things like that. But it will be interesting to say, because I got to be honest, like, Someone asked me today, are we so starved and desperate for football and for football news that we will latch on to literally any soundbite or any bit of news? And I was like, of course. Absolutely, yes. I mean, there's there's a reason why the shortest sport in all of the major sports has a a 365-day-a-year network dedicated to it. Like, we will sit here in the middle of summer and watch the shit out of NFL Network, knowing they're just talking about the same bullshit and playing the same random B-roll clips from training camp in the background. Some of them are training camp clips from two years ago. It doesn't fucking matter because, yes, we are that desperate for content that we will latch on to anything possible. Um, But having said that, if you're telling me that Johnny Manziel and Terrell Owens are going to be part of this fan-controlled league and... I can watch their game somewhere. I'm going to tune in. I'm going to check that shit out for sure. Absolutely. And I will, of course, report back to you fine folks. Um, by the way, you know, talking about all these leagues and all these different things, obviously we saw what happened with the AAF. That fell apart really quickly. And from everything I hear from my connections who worked with that league very briefly, it was the shit show of all shit shows. I mean... The people who didn't get paid and the situations that were just so ghetto rigged and just like, it it just, it wasn't a very good attempt by any means. Um, We saw what happened with the XFL, which I actually thought had a real shot pre-pandemic. 
they actually were doing some really great things and it was very interesting to see if that was going to work out then we know what happened with the pandemic and that completely shut that down but since then the rock and his wife have bought the xfl and they said that they would be coming back you know not this year but possibly next year and then there was brief talks with the cfl and they were maybe going to talk about a merger or doing something together but we know that anybody who follows both sports or both leagues understand that Canadian football rules are very different than the NFL in some of the major aspects of how they play the game and allegedly the CFL was like well we're not going to play that version of football and XFL was like well we're not going to adapt to that way because you know our fans would lose interest so I think that kind of got put on the back burner for now but I am still interest i'm cautiously optimistic of what the rock could do if he's able to get the xfl back up and running because this last venture of it was actually it was actually very watchable and that may not sound like a great compliment but it really is and i don't know if you guys watched any of it if you saw like the dc defenders and like these centipede beer cup things that they were making you know in the stands and it was just it was very interesting and it was very interesting to see when a quarterback would throw an interception and as he's coming off the field here's the reporter going hey so you just threw a pick six what was up with that yeah i I don't know it was a horrible throw I, i don't know what i was thinking like it was just but there was a lot of things that I mean, remember, we only have Skycam. That shit only exists because of the XFL. The XFL pioneered that shit. And the XFL this past season showed exactly how to fix refereeing and instant replay, which we've talked about ad nauseum on this show. They have the eye in the sky. They can stop the game at any time, fix it, get it right. You don't need to go to a booth review. You don't need to do this. And the NFL experimented with that a little bit this year. They didn't want to do it too much, but they they had a few situations where New York could buzz in and say, no, here's the call, just fix it. But they only did it in like super, super egregious situations, and they tried not to do it that often. But that's how it should be. If you can fix it, fix it. You know, I'm not talking about ticky-tack things, but if there's a fumble, if there's a situation that it was an incomplete pass, but we ruled it complete, just, just fix it. Move on with your life and let's go. So... The point is, I would love to see the XFL succeed, but beyond all of this, beyond all of the AFL, XFL, now you've got the USFL coming back that isn't really the USFL, but it's it's called the USFL, and the original USFL is suing them, which when you think about who owned the original one, it makes sense, um, and I swear I'm not on speed right now. Just got a lot of thoughts, and I want to get them out because I know your time is precious. Mine, not so much, but yours is. So... Let's talk about, excuse me, frog in my throat. Hmm, I miss Piggy. Um, the All these different leagues and everything, you know, I think about the people like Jeff Bezos. I think about the people like Bill Gates. I think about, you know, the uber, uber rich, right? Like the, the guys who have fuck you money, like real fuck you money. And, you know, you really want to prove you're a badass, Jeff Bezos. You, you think you're hot shit, right? Like, you got more money than small countries. Like, I, I get it. You've got money, right? Why don't you go against the biggest juggernaut in the fucking world? Sure, you conquered, you know, the shipping world, and you conquered online consumerism, and, and that's great, right? Why don't you buy one of these leagues? Or at least become a major investor in one of these leagues. I mean, you've got the money. You've obviously got the money but think about it if you're such an outside the box thinker if you're such an innovator and all this why can't you create something like what these other leagues have tried to do make it some sort of feeder system into the nfl or what have you i mean you you realize that if anyone listening has been a follower of baseball if anyone's gone to spring training or even like minor league baseball teams that it's some of the most ridiculous things you've ever been like in an entertaining way um there's some amazing leagues out there and there's some amazing teams that do some really entertaining shit and you have to in order to get these 
people out to watch something that, as much as you dress it up, is not going to be Major League Baseball, right? So you could have the same thing with football, with American football. And I just, I think that if you really want to be a gangster, Jeff Bezos, like show me that you can take a football league and you can make it marketable. And you think about it. I mean, there's, you could do something where if you're an Amazon Prime member, you automatically get one free ticket to one fucking game that you want to go to every year. I don't know. Tie it in somehow. And then, you know, as far as all of the fan gear and all the other stuff, like, oh, you're an Amazon Prime member, you can just get it, it gets delivered. Like, I don't know. I'm not these people who claim to be the smartest guys in the fucking room, right? But if I were, I would think, here's a behemoth right? This is an institution, the NFL. We can talk about how soccer is the most popular sport on the planet, and that's fine. But in America, nothing is bigger than the NFL. The NFL is a powerhouse onto itself. And you look at the ratings, and it just dwarfs everything else. Not even just sports. I mean, entertainment as a whole. The ratings are, and they continue, even though the, you know, Jim and I was boycotting, like, yeah, we get it. But yet, the ratings continue to go through the roof. And they continue to find ways to increase viewership. So, if I want to climb in the ring with Ali because I think I box, then I'm putting my money where my mouth is. And I'm going to try to make it work with one of these leagues. And I'm going to try to think outside of the box and think of, what can we give fans? What can we give consumers that they are not getting from the NFL? Because the, the main issue with the NFL, the main, and listen, I am roman as romantic as anybody else about football. Like, to me, it is the greatest product on the planet, but it's far from perfect. And the reason that the NFL, despite the modernization of the game, despite the strides that they have made to make it more entertaining for fans, etc. The reason that it's not better than what it currently is or why they don't address certain issue is because they have fuck you money. Because they're like, we could shit all over this game and you would still show up. You would still show up because it's that popular, the product is that good, that we can wipe our ass with it. Now, I'm not saying that that's what they intentionally go out and try to do. Sometimes it feels like that, but it's just, it's just a fact, right? Like Roger Goodell is Donald Trump standing there saying, I could shoot Tom Brady in the middle of Fifth Avenue and we would get more ratings. Like that's literally what the NFL is, that you're not going to topple their ratings. You're not going to drag them down but but if you create a system where you can kind of leech off of the love for that product and maybe not compete directly head to head like during the same season and etc cetera, etc cetera, but you have a spring league where you can take advantage of that huge giant gap that hole that's left in people's lives when they have to go seven eight months without football like that is an amazing opportunity it's an amazing opportunity and if i were jeff bezos i would have top people working on this top people and i would be figuring out how do we get our claws in some of this so bezos i'm just saying if you think you about about it and you really a gangster I want to see you get into the football world. Let's see. And I get it. You have your money. You don't need to. But just like, you want to be in the cool kids club. Like, you want to be. Like, I get it. You have money. You're already cool. Like, whatever. But you do something like that, that's fucking legend. Does it? Elon Musk, where you at? Holler, son. Like, that sounds like an Elon Musk move from day one. That's that's a, that's a legit Elon Musk move. Especially, all it's going to take is like somebody with power and money to say that Elon Musk can't do it and his ass would climb in the ring. And he would do it better than anybody else. He would charge you out the ass for it 
And, but he'd do it better than anybody else. So that would be a fun battle. I would love to see Elon Musk and... Can you imagine if they combined, like, the superpowers? Let's say Bill Gates, and I know I'm getting off on a tangent here, but Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk all get together to take on the fucking NFL. Like, imagine what those three could create. I don't know if the three of them working together collaboratively, you know, would be able to work, but just the idea of their three, the the powerhouse of the three of them, the things that they control and the things that they could innovate and create, man, where the fuck do I sign up? Take my money. That would be amazing. And I'm just like, off the top of my head, I'm already thinking about the things that they could innovate social media-wise and like get you in to where you're witnessing like walk-on tryouts and stuff like that. Like the, the content capabilities alone are just fantastic. So... I I won't beat on this forever, but I just think it's a fantastic idea. So these three guys need to get together, or at least one of them. Um, I think that would be fantastic because we need a supplement. We need a supplement to the NFL because by the time June rolls around into like early July, I'm going to be sitting here talking about uh, what Disney princess each NFL quarterback would be if they were a Disney princess because there ain't shit going on. But we will get through it together, but we currently do have things to talk about. So let's catch you up on some of the signings that have happened around the league. Bobby Wagner signed a two-year deal with the LA Rams, $17.5 million over two. Now, he chose them over the Baltimore Ravens, allegedly the Ravens offered 18 million more with uh, I think a little bit more in incentives but Wagner is from the LA area he wanted to stay out there on the west coast and that ultimately was the decision for uh, the deciding factor for him to go to LA plus obviously LA coming off of the Super Bowl that doesn't exactly hurt in other news Marlon Mack to the Houston Texans and you know, it's crazy the short lifespan of running backs. I mean, Marlon Mack just came in the league in, what, 2017? Not, a, you know, four years played? Something like that? So he went from like, all right, this is this is our guy. He looks like a good running back to all of a sudden, nope, Jonathan Taylor time. And, you know, you're yesterday's news. And Marlon Mack has 126 yards rushing since 2019. So just to kind of put into perspective how quickly those injuries kind of racked up. And that's why you never give Christian McCaffrey type um, contracts to running backs. And when it happened, I absolutely thought, you know, there's not a guy on the planet that you do this for. But if there was a guy, it's Christian McCaffrey. Because he was more than, say, your Derrick Henry just like run over everybody and which, no shade to Derrick Henry, I mean, shit. But, look what happened to him, he got hurt too. But Christian McCaffrey was so versatile and could be used in 10 million ways that it was like, damn, like, alright, I understand the contract. Like, if you're gonna do it, this is probably the guy that you do it for. But yet, you know, we saw he hasn't been the same ever since. And I think... It's just crazy. And that that's why, to me, whenever there's a big free agent running back and fans are clamoring, oh, we need to go sign this guy, you know, for $14 million a year or whatever top running backs are asking for. I'm like, are you outside your fucking mind? Like, that's not that's not a thing. I mean, even you, you look at the teams that win the Super Bowl, right? Let's look at the Rams. Who'd they go in, out and get? Sony Michelle? often injured Patriots running back who was inconsistent at best, right? Because Cam Akers went down and got hurt and missed pretty much everything. And you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who went and got Leonard Fournette, who was a forgotten cause from the Jacksonville Jaguars who fell out of favor and then all of a sudden found himself on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
You look at the Kansas City Chiefs who went and got Damian Williams, who was a guy who couldn't even stay on the Miami Dolphins roster, and it's not like their running backs were blazing it up. You know what the top 20 highest paid running backs all have in common? None of them have won a Super Bowl. None of them. So paying big money to running backs or uh, investing heavy resources into running backs just isn't really a thing. And that's why you don't even see so many that are drafted that high, you know, even like the Zeke Elliott or, you know, some of these players that do get taken high in the draft. It's very rare. I mean, you got to be a, a complete insane baller to even take a chance like that because the numbers statistically show that like your safest pick is alignment. The lineman is more likely to make it to a second contract with your team than any other position. So having said that, Marlon Mack to the Texans, and I think the Texans seem to be sticking with a trend here where I remember when they got Philip Lindsay last year, and I was like, wow, that's a good signing. I remember when they went and got David Johnson, and it's like, okay, maybe that'll work out. Didn't work out. Um, I don't know that Marlon Mack is going to be any different. Which, speaking of the Texans, so I found this hilarious today. I was messing around with PFF has this um, mock draft generator where you can go in and you can do a mock draft, right? And you can position yourself as any one of the 32 teams. You can do all 32. And as you're going through the draft, it tells you the team needs of every single team. Cornerback and wide receiver, center and defensive end, like it, it tells you, right? So for every single team, it lists two or three positions that are the main position of need. When I got to the Texans, it said needs, and in the space, instead of a couple of positions, it said everything. It said everything. It was the only team that it said that for. And that is low-key the most disrespectful yet accurate thing that I have ever seen, and I laughed for a good half an hour. PFF dirty for that. Like, they're really dirty. Like, not saying that they're completely wrong, but, I mean, damn. Like, that's that's savage. That's savage as hell. So I, uh, I took a screenshot of that. I, I'm probably going to post that up on the Internet just because I thought that was dirty as hell, but I laughed my ass off. Uh, the Texans do do need a lot of help. But someone who does not need a lot of help, especially when he's covering wide receivers, is Xavier Howard. The lockdown corner signed a new five-year deal with the Miami Dolphins, the most guaranteed money for a defensive back ever. And, I mean, good for X and good for the Dolphins. I think that if you do not think that Xavier Howard is one of the best cornerbacks in football, then you don't know football or you don't watch the Dolphins play. And I think it's it's really fascinating to me because we know that for years, it's always been Xavier Howard is on the trade block, Xavier Howard might get traded, all of this. And I'm just glad we don't have to talk about this shit anymore because it's finally, okay, new five-year deal. He was already, when he signed his previous deal, he was... Briefly, the most, the highest paid cornerback, and then they brought in Byron Jones, and then that caused some friction, which the Dolphins started that. That was, that was their undoing. But they did the right thing. So last year, they guaranteed an extra year of his contract, and they said, listen, next summer, we'll work it out. And here comes, you know, this spring leading into the summer, and they did. They were true to their word. And, you know, there are things like that that matter to free agents, and to other players around the league because players talk. So when a team says that they're going to do something and they're going to stand by you, no matter how it works out, and they're, they're going to restructure you and they're going to get it done, and then they do that, that speaks volumes. And I think that's been kind of a central theme for the Miami Dolphins this year. They re-signed Agba, signed him to his deal. They franchised Mike Gusecki, and I'm sure they're trying to work out that extension, right? They re-signed their own. They didn't just let everybody walk and, you know, say, oh, well, you want a new contract? Well, then we'll trade you or get rid of you. Because you do see that. You see the teams that trade away certain players that are either asking for bigger contracts or are getting to that point where next year they're going to need the big contract. 
you know, to it, I can't even fathom trading a player like a Khalil Mack. I can't. I can't. a Khalil Mack is a once in a generation type player, and to trade someone like that, and I mean that now he's been traded fucking twice. But I mean, when the Raiders traded him to Chicago, I was like, Jesus, like nobody's safe. Literally nobody is safe. So it's it's very good when a team goes out, backs their own people and says, hey, you know, we're buying in. You were here for us. We're going to be here for you. Let's get it done and let's move on. Let's go fucking play football. So I love that. Um, some teams would like to resign their own. But they can't because they get into cap trouble, which we've talked about multiple, multiple times. But speaking of that, you know, let's talk about the New Orleans Saints for a second. So they did the weirdest pre-draft trade that I have ever seen. Um, This one's just bizarre to me. Usually, when it's still a month away from the draft, you don't see a lot of trades that just involve picks for picks you know it's a you're trading a player for a fourth round pick or you're trading you know a pick to acquire a player etc etc the only exceptions to that is when somebody's trading up into say the top five where they traded pick number 12 number 33 and next year's one to move up to number two or to number three right you can think back to the rg3 trade you can think back to all these trades where Teams tried to move up to position themselves usually for a quarterback, right? So if that is the case, this would make a little bit more sense. But as it currently sits right now, the New Orleans Saints traded number 18 overall, plus a third and a seventh, a first round pick next year, and a second round pick next year to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, in exchange, they get the 16th pick, the 19th pick, and a 6th round pick. Now remember, they already have the 18, 18 overall. So when you let everything kind of cancel itself out, this is what the trade looks like. The Saints give up a 2nd and a 3rd and a 7th for a 6th round pick. How? How? Like, make this make sense. Again, it's two ones for two ones. They cancel out. You know what I'm saying? So... The Saints give up a second and a third and a seventh for a sixth-round pick. Make that make sense. Like, you're already in cap hell, so you need cheap rookies over the next few years. Like, whatever the Vegas odds are on the Saints' win total this year, I am pretty confident that I'm going to hammer the under. Like, that's that's just going to be a thing. So, you know, Saints fans, don't come at me on Twitter. You need to come at your front office with that same energy. The Saints wasted the final years of Drew Brees. They mismanaged their roster. They continuously pay players who are no longer playing for their team more money than they are paying the players who replace those same players. Drew Brees is gone. Peyton is gone. Jenkins just retired. You have aging veterans on extended contracts that are too expensive literally to cut. And when you do cut them, you're just eating massive dead cap. Now, you know what my opinion would be, like rip the Band-Aid off, eat the bad contracts, so that in the next couple of years, you can play competitive football. And I'm not saying competitive in the fact that despite the limited roster, and it is a limited roster. When when you look at the fact that other teams have $50, $60 million more to spend than these teams are because than the Saints do because the Saints gave it away previously, like it's a depleted roster. And it's not just a lot of times people look at the surface, right? They're like, oh well, we still got a linebacker in core. We still got, you know, the defense is sure, great. But you know what you don't have at a lot of those positions? depth you know why you don't have the depth because you've got the starter and then you've got the cheapest player that you can find behind them because you you don't have the money to spend that other teams but i'm not gonna go off on a tangent the saints need to look in the mirror and they need to do what is right for the franchise and for the people of new orleans i want that for saints fans 
Like, I, I truly do. But in the meantime, I don't know what the fuck this trade is. It, it makes no sense. The Saints got completely fleeced. And the only way that it makes sense is that if the Saints are going to package those picks that they got, you know, the 16 and 19 overall, and they're going to try to move in the top five. Like five, jump the Panthers. Because what? Like, do you think there's a quarterback there? I mean, if it's an offensive lineman, that's a hell of a lot to give up to go get an offensive lineman. I mean, they're, they're important. I get it. You just lost Teron Armstead. And, you know, you got to replace that gap as well. But shit. So we'll have to see as it gets closer to draft. This is very bizarre that it happened this far before the draft. Because normally, let's say it's draft day and the Saints are sitting there and they have the 18th pick, which they did, and they need to get to 16 because they're trying to jump, I think the Chargers are at 17, um, you know, to go get somebody or whatever the situation is, then it makes a little bit more sense. But when you have no idea how the board is going to fall, it's just completely bizarre. So the only way it makes sense in my mind is if they're going to package that and they're not done, you know, which, you know, again, would make a little bit more sense, but then I'm really curious about who the target is. There there has to be someone there um, that they're targeting. That That's the only way it makes sense to me. But speaking of trades, the Miami Dolphins uh, traded Devontae Parker for a fifth-round pick, or they traded him and a fifth-round pick for a 2023 third-round pick. So this means that Miami now has five picks in the first three rounds of next year's draft, including two first-round picks. And this means they can make some noise in the 2023 draft. It means they have options if they feel for whatever reason that Tua is not the guy and they want to move on. Um, you know, it's they have options. It's, it's a great play for them. Devontae Parker, you know, has had mixed results there in Miami. The Patriots are getting a wide receiver that will fit in their system. Listen, Parker is not a burner, and he's far from an elite route runner, but he is a big physical wide receiver that can go up and grab those jump balls. Belichick knows exactly what he is getting because when healthy, this is a guy who made Stephon Gilmore his bitch. But the when healthy part is the toughest part of that. So Devontae Parker has started in 64 out of 113 possible games. He has only made it through a 16-game season one time, so the Pats are definitely taking a gamble on his health. On the Dolphins' end, they shed salary, and then obviously they get some draft compensation to help them going into next year. I think it's a good thing for Devontae. It's a fresh start. Hopefully he can stay healthy. It's a good thing for the Patriots. They get a wide receiver that if he can stay on the field, could be a great asset to Mac Jones. It's a good thing uh, for the Dolphins to move on and you know go in a different direction. So cleansing ores for everybody, getting some sage in the room. But that's how that ended up. Now, one of the things that I think is fascinating with all these trade talks and... Um, rumors going around on NFL like there's always hot takes and there's always bullshit but to to hear the things that I'm hearing about oh you know we should trade for Derrick Henry or Debo Samuel or DK Metcalf or like like just random superstars that it's like I don't understand they're they're under contract like what would make you think that these people are available like how did not under contract, become the new, she isn't married, that means she's single. Like, I literally heard on an NFL broadcast, someone say, well, they're not under contract, like, for 2024 or 2023, like, you know, so basically there's no ring on it. And it's like, what? Like, what are we even saying? And that's not to say that players under contract don't get traded, but we're acting like the Tyreek Hill trade is the norm. Like fans around the league are just going, you know, well, uh, you know, maybe we should throw some money at Josh Allen and, 
you know, the Bills will trade them to us. Like, wh what, what world do you live in? And what's crazy is just when I'm about to lose my mind and I think fans have lost their fucking mind, like some shit like this will happen. Some There's going to be another Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. Like, what is, what is going on? And I think because of that, it's kind of like the Josh Rosen effect, how Josh Rosen fucked every quarterback for the next 30 years, and I will save that for another show. I've talked about it before. But this idea that these superstars are getting moved to other teams, like in their prime, is now all of a sudden got everyone saying, well, nobody's untouchable. Everybody is for sale at the right price. And I, look, I know a lot of NFL teams say that, they say, well, you know, we'll take every phone call, you know, and, and and I mean, to a point you should, but Patrick Mahomes isn't available. There's not an amount of money or picks that you could offer to acquire Patrick Mahomes. I hope not. I hope that if the Chiefs got a phone call and some team was like, we'll give you six number one picks over the next five years, you know, let's say they've got some extra, right? Give you six number one picks. And a couple of players for Patrick Mahomes. I hope you hang up that fucking phone. Because it might take you six number one picks to try and find another Patrick Mahomes. And good luck. Like, there's a reason he got half a billion dollars. So this idea, I think, you know, we're all high on our own supply. And we see some of these moves. And we just, we take it like it's the norm. So all of a sudden, I'm hearing this, well, they're not under contract in 2023. Like... It just became 2022, bro. Like, chill. Chill. I'm not saying don't make the phone calls, you know. If, you know, you think you got a shot, shoot or shoot. But let's let's calm it down a little bit in the Twitter streets. But one good thing that happened uh, this past week is teams with new head coaches were allowed to start their NFL offseason program so some of them did there were four teams who started on the fourth and the rest of the league is on deck in the next week or two so each team has announced when they're starting their offseason program so that means we're going to have content and b-roll in the background of nfl network of players working out and on their way to meetings etc and then everybody can have really stupid takes about who is the first or last guy into the building or the seventh guy or I, I don't fucking know like Twitter is off its meds recently but having said that someone who uh, you know I think took all his meds and is feeling fine but for whatever reason has decided to remove himself from a situation is Bruce Arians so he out of nowhere in the past week retired and decided to move to a front office position and Vance Joseph immediately takes over as the new head coach. And there are now 10, 10 new head coaches in the NFL this season. There are 10 teams who will have new coaches this season. Like, 10 years ago, that would have been absurd. Like, and it's it's been growing. I think last year we had seven new head coaches, um, but it's... The lifespan of coaches is just shorter and shorter. Now, granted, Arians retired and Peyton retired, so you could argue, well, it was only seven who got like fired or replaced or whatever the situation is. Um, but it's just crazy. That's a, that's a lot of turnover, 10 new head coaches. And I think it will be very fascinating to see towards the beginning of the season when you watch teams who meet up the coaches who have the consistency and the structure in place where it's just flipping the page to another year, I think will have the advantage in the beginning of the season. You know, sure, you'll have some new coaches who steal wins, but overall, I think that the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, just the stability, the stability of that same program just flipping over to another year, I think, will benefit the teams that have had a structure in place and that are not experiencing a new coach. But, of course, I wish all the new head coaches nothing but the best. Someone I also wish nothing but the motherfucking best is my friend and yours, 
Mr. Pat McAfee. Can we give a big round of fucking applause to big old Pat McAfee and his WrestleMania performance? I don't know if any of you caught it or at least caught the clips on Twitter. But this guy is, is just like a big kid, like living out his dreams. And I mean, you know, I was I was so taken aback by his athleticism in his performance at WrestleMania. And then, like, I forget he's only 34 years old. It feels like he had a whole football career. Then he, like, kind of retired and went into podcasting. And then he's been doing that, like, just forever in my mind. And, you know, I feel like he's, you know, my age or that he's, like, he's a kid. He's, He's 34 years old, man. And it was an amazing performance. It was great entertainment. And I couldn't be happier for Pat. He won his match. And uh, it was it was just fantastic. And to see the crowd reaction and see the love that he gets. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, for us was an inspiration. You know, what he did with podcasting, what he did for sports radio, um, what he's done for the culture and for the brand is just like you, you hear these stupid buzzwords that people like to use all the time, paradigm shifting or you know, disruptive and things like that. Like, Pat McAfee is disruptive. Like, he is Mr. fucking disruptive. Like, he changed the whole fucking industry. And he changed it for the better. And I, for one, can be happier, and I applaud him on his win at WrestleMania. Now, earlier in the show, we talked about April Fool's Day. Now, I would never fuck with y'all and do some stupid April Fool's Day tweet, you know, about some player or something that's not accurate. Like, I think that's lowbrow. And that's me saying that. So, but we did have some blue check bloopers on April 1st, and it was not good. Um, I think the first one was Adam Schefter got duped by a David Njoku tweet that he had requested a trade through his agent. And... You know, I think that only lasted an hour. But I was like, really, Adam? Like, you're the one guy who's plugged into everything. Like, how are you not plugged into the calendar? Like, we knew this was coming. We knew April 1st was going to be a shit show. Um, but when they get the blue checks, you know, it's kind of like, really? Like, this is day one shit. This is day one shit. Like, don't you have an intern or something, like, watching this shit on the, on the first? Or, like, reminding you to double check things? I don't know, like, we're, we're in such a rush to be first that we see anything like, ah, don't check it. Could be April Fool's, but fuck it. Let it fly. So, that was one. I think there was a Julian Edelman returning to Tampa Bay to play with Tampa, with, with Tampa Brady. With Tampa, uh, fucking Brady, and, uh, what was the other one? I forget, there was another one. Our social media coordinator is going to kill me and be like, bro, I, I sent you a list. Um, but, you know, I've been drinking a little bit. I, I lost the sticky note. I'm, I'm just going to be honest, Chaz. I, I, I apologize. But there was definitely some weird, weird shit floating around out there. And it's just like, come on, man. Like, be better than the gap. Be better than the gap. That's all I have to say. But... One of the things I want to make sure that I leave time for in this episode is for us to go over the quarterback position. So I told you guys that as we led up to the draft, we'd try to get through every single position or at least as many as possible to kind of let you guys know what's going on. So on draft day, you're like, oh, I don't know who the fuck that guy is. You know, we're, we're, we're here to help. You know, and that's, that's what I'm here to do is to assist. So help me help you quarterbacks now only six of the last 24 nfl drafts did not have a quarterback taken number one overall and of those six four of those times a quarterback was still taken in the top three which means 2022 will likely be just the third time in a quarter century that no quarterback is taken in the top three now Sure, maybe she's not the prettiest girl at the bar, but somebody's going to take her home and give her the old what for. So 
You tell me why it shouldn't be you, NFL franchises. Now, if you have a star at home, you're not worried about it. But for those teams with a sad roster of side chicks, somebody will be taking a shot at an upgrade. And don't let the ponytail and glasses fool you. Just because these quarterbacks aren't waxed and tweezed like the previous year's lineup does not mean there aren't winners in this bunch who can make you happy for years to come. So, let's talk about the quarterbacks that we have in this year's draft. Now, our first bell of the ball is Malik Willis. Liberty, senior, 6'1", 219 pounds. You could make the argument for Pickett or Willis as the top quarterback in this draft. For me, this young man is a player you want in your locker room for both what he does on and off the field. Willis was the Georgia 7A Offensive Player of the Year in high school. He gave it a go at Auburn, but after learning that he would not be the starter, he put in for a transfer to Liberty. After having to redshirt for a year because the NCAA is lame as fuck, Malik exploded onto the scene for the Flames with a 64.2% completion rating for 2,250 yards, 20 touchdowns to 6 interceptions. Plus, he added 944 rushing yards, first among FBS quarterbacks, and then in 2021, he scored 40 total touchdowns and over 3,700 all-purpose yards. Teams would love to see a quarterback who played for national championship teams instead of the lending tree bowl. Listen, I get it. However, if that were the case, then those same teams probably wouldn't have a shot at Malik Willis. Rumors are out there that Willis can be anywhere from the middle to the end of the first round. He is an electric athlete who, despite his speed and elusiveness, is a throw-first quarterback. While his ball placement and game speed processing needs to improve, Malik Willis has a more potential to me than any quarterback in this NFL draft. The perfect scenario would be somewhere he could sit for a year behind a vet with a great quarterback coach. Unfortunately, in today's NFL, that is a very rare luxury, and I'm aware of that situation. Malik Willis may not be the first quarterback drafted, but he's number one on my board, and he's going to make some NFL owner a very happy man. Next, we have Kenny Pickett, the senior from Pittsburgh, 6'3", 217 pounds. If Malik Willis is the hot girl at the bar, Kenny Pickett is her hot friend that you're trying to chat up as well, and honestly, you're fine with whichever one wants to go home with you. He passed for over 12,000 yards and led Pitt to their first ever ACC title. Pickett has the prototypical size that old white guys love to see in their quarterback. Unlike Willis, Pickett didn't have to transfer to get a starting job. He was handed the reins at Pitt and proceeded to smash all the school records for four years under center. In 2021, he passed Dan Marino for the most single-season touchdowns in school history with 42 to just seven interceptions. That interception number is key to note as he had 25 interceptions in the previous three seasons to 39 touchdowns. Pickett may not have the highest ceiling, but he may also have the highest floor. If he had to be forced into action right away, he might be the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft. Many people have lots of carny jokes about the small-handed Pickett, but, you know, honestly, they said the same thing about Joe Burrow, and I think it's safe to say that no one is worried about Joe Burrow's hand size anymore. Kenny is also one of the older prospects in this draft and turns 24 this June. Hopefully, with age comes wisdom and maturity to lead an NFL franchise. Third on our list is Matt Coral, the junior from Mississippi. He's 6'2", 212 pounds. If Pickett and Wilson are sitting at the cool kids table, Matt Coral is the dude who just walked into the cafeteria after summer break and he no longer has braces and hit a growth spurt. I mean, seriously, look at this dude. He looks like the bully in every Disney Channel movie that is like, hey dude, these are our waves. Find your own beach. Anyway, Matt Coral has been climbing up big boards and his 2021 season is a big reason why. In fact, in 2020, Matt Coral had multiple games with five interceptions. 
He was lucky to come back as a starter, honestly, but showed his progression with only five interceptions all year. He doesn't throw the hardest or the farthest, but he has enough strength to get the job done, and his agility allows him to threaten you as a runner as well. Rumors have swirled that the Steelers have him very high on their board. Coral would fit well in an RPO-based offense, but you know that, that leaves several possibilities, and he honestly would be able to make it work in other systems. He impressed many people at his pro day, whatever the fuck that means, but nonetheless, if his 2021 season was the breakthrough and not the outlier, Coral could prove to be a starting caliber quarterback in the National Football League. And that brings us to Sam Howe. North Carolina, junior, 6'1", 218 pounds. First off, let's address the elephant in the room. Yes, Sam Howe looks like the premium version of Baker Mayfield. Look at his picture and tell me that I'm lying. And guess what? Same height, virtually same weight, but despite being a younger, more attractive Baker, Howell also plays football. He set the North Carolina high school record with over 17,000 yards um, before being recruited by colleges. Now, originally, he committed to FSU, but after intense talks with North Carolina, he sent FSU the hey, don't hate me, text. Anyone who's ever gotten that text knows exactly what I'm talking about. Unlike our previous prospects, his numbers actually declined over time instead of improving. Now, some will argue that he had a huge talent drop-off this year with Javante Williams and Michael Carter leaving for the NFL, as well as being without two of his wide receivers. Excuses aside, Howell has mixed reviews. Some have him as the second or third best quarterback in the draft, yet others don't even have him top five. He is another mobile quarterback that can make plays with his legs. He forced the most missed tackles by a Power 5 quarterback in the last seven years. He doesn't have the quickest release, and he has to work on his ball placement issues, but he is very coachable and has the building blocks of an NFL QB. I'm not sure if this is the one you take home to mom just yet, so let's put him in a good situation and soft launch him until we know he's the one. Finally, we have Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati senior, 6'3", 211 pounds. Ritter is the most intriguing candidate in the draft to me because his value is all over the board, literally. He can make every throw on the field and has 4-5 speed that can bail him out if he gets in trouble. Someone said he looks like he's in one of those awkward Benjamin Button stages, and now I really can't unsee it. He looks like he's 40 in some of his pictures. I swear I went to high school with this guy two decades ago. In any event, Ritter has secured himself as a QB who will be drafted this year and probably in the first couple rounds. I've seen him mocked as high as two, which seems ludicrous to me and blows my mind. But then again, someone once gave Adam Gase another head coaching gig, so who fucking knows? Ritter set school records in touchdowns and yards for Cincinnati and led them to the college football playoffs. His pros are that he has quick processing speed and can understand what is happening in front of him. His mechanics are sound, and the word that keeps coming up with this guy is leader. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but Ritter can make every throw. He needs to improve on consistent accuracy. Add to that his 4-5 speed, and you have a gamer that fits the mold of the new-look NFL offenses. Ritter is a dedicated young man who scouts say has a tremendous work ethic. If this kid gets on the right coaching staff, his potential could truly soar. So those are the top five quarterbacks that we have on our board. But if we miss someone that you would like us to talk about more in depth, feel free to let us know on Twitter at RegulatorsPod. And speaking of Twitter, our fan question of the week comes from friend of the show at Wilson27, who says, quote, Coaches need great players more than great players need coaches. I think a lot of players nowadays feel like they can coach themselves in this era. How do you feel about this, or what's your opinion? Great question, and uh, definitely always appreciate it. Anybody who has a question for the show, you guys can always hit us up, and we'll try to answer them when we can. So I think to answer Wilson's question, a little bit of both, right? We can list the Barry Switzers and the Gary Kubiaks of the world just as easily as we can list the Trent Dilfers and the Brad Johnsons. 
I think this idea that one can even exist without the other is kind of a toxic behavior. There are about 10,000 things that need to go right to win a Super Bowl. And you need to get thousands of decisions right every single day. Sometimes for years, just to even put yourself in a good position to get into the Super Bowl. And I mean, this goes from front office moves, both good or bad. You know, you look at the teams who've been hamstrung by horrible GMs, by horrible front offices who gave out bad contracts for years, teams that didn't know how to draft versus the teams that did, the teams that built dynasties and the teams who knew how to draft and they knew how to structure contracts and they knew how to maneuver within the system. And you add to that knew how to hire coaches. And it's not just about head coaches. It's about coordinators. It's about assistant staff all the way down to your offensive linemen, your special teams, your assistants, your strength and conditioning coaches. I mean, there are so many little things that just go into an NFL season and whether that team is going to be successful or not that I think it's it's irresponsible at best to put it on any one thing. It's It's not basketball. You don't have five guys that really control 80 to 90% of what's going on. And then the coach is kind of an afterthought, even though, of course, there's great coaches in the NBA and, you know, no disrespect to them. But in football, you you need so much more. Now, will a Bill Belichick give you an extreme advantage over an Adam Gase? Of course. Will an Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady give you an extreme advantage over a Blake Bortles? Of course. But as history shows, like it doesn't it doesn't cement anything. Now you put Tom Brady and Bill Belichick on the same team, yeah, you're gonna win a lot of fucking games. But I think those are very, very rare situations. Aaron Rodgers, one Super Bowl. Drew Brees, already retired, one Super Bowl. Like these are got these are Hall of Famers. These are guys that are the best of the best. But yet one Super Bowl. Why? Because it it takes so much more. It takes so much more than just one coach or one player. So I think that we live in a binary society that would really like to just take everything and just kind of simplify it, oversimplify it to make it yes or no, black or white, like this box or this box. But it's, uh, it's not that simple. So to answer Mr. Wilson's question, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that no one person is more important than the other. If you have the greatest quarterback in the world, but your coaching staff is complete shit, then you're not going to put your team in a good situation. And on the other side of that, Bill Belichick got fired from the Browns for a reason. He didn't have the talent around him to help him keep his job. Not saying that he should have been fired by them or that it was right, but that's kind of how the cookie crumbles. So that's all I have for this week. I definitely appreciate you guys joining us as always. Now, we have some exciting, exciting things coming up for the NFL Draft. As I've mentioned previously, I've procured a small bit of giveaways that I'm waiting till the opportune moment to start dropping some of the information on that. But we will be live for the entire draft. And I'm still trying to acquire and get my hands on different things that we can give away for you guys during the live draft coverage, which will be on our live spaces on Twitter only. That's the only place we will be live on draft night. Now, we will then have recordings after the fact and over the weekend and and stuff like that. But if you want to catch us live during the NFL draft, Twitter is the only place to do it. So you'll have to catch us on there. And honestly, if you're not on Twitter, you're missing out, especially if you're a sports fan. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you ah, I don't do the socials, you know, the Twitter. Like, no, you're missing out because once you add the right follows and, and you're following some really good content, you'd be amazed at how informed you become, how quickly, uh, because again, Twitter only limits, you know, you have like 240 characters. So it's a few sentences. You have to be very succinct. You have to get your data out or your point across very quickly. 
and there's a lot of really really great follows out there on Twitter and it's a lot of fun um, the other reason I love Twitter honestly and I swear I'm not sponsored by Twitter they can hey Twitter holler at me DMs are open but my favorite thing about Twitter is the mute feature if you don't know what the mute feature is this isn't just like you can mute a person which you can do but the mute feature you can actually go into your settings and you can actually filter out content so if you never want to see the words Republican, Democrat, Trump, Biden, um, you know, whatever, anything that you're sick of hearing, COVID, like literally any word that you do not want to see, you can filter out of your timeline. And so my timeline is nothing but sports. That's, that's all it is. It's nothing but sports. It's a lovely place. And I hope that you'll come join us and talk some shit with us. So at Regulators Pod on Twitter is where you can find us. It's also where we do all of our biggest giveaways, which we have plenty more coming uh, this week and uh, heading towards the draft. So thank you again. As always, I love the shit out of you guys, but my glass is getting a little low, so I'm going to need to uh, go refill myself another cocktail. I hope that you have an incredible fucking week and... Whether, you know, near or far, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what you have going on, I'm fucking rooting for you. So let's go get this shit. Let's crush this week. Fucking love you guys. I'm out.